Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast coming up on this episode. Lockdown 2, the sequel. It's coming, folks, if it's not already with you. I feel peak Zwift 2. What might that mean? Hayes Partners, they're a huge hit. We've got a long chat with a senior games team dude from Zwift with some top insights. And another big hit, WTRL Racing. So popular, we have crashing websites and closed entries. Swifters are loving the racing. Well, are we braced, chaps? The second wave of new Zwifters is upon us, or it probably will be soon. Uh, not only is winter coming, but total lockdown two is upon us, at least here in the UK and across much of Europe. Shame, mate. Good day. If one's uh, optimism levels and general happiness are inversely correlated with Peloton's share price... I think things are going to get tough again and gloom is going to be spreading across the land. Maybe it's different in the land down under where you are of a more sunnier disposition, I find. Yes. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Uh, we've had five consecutive days of zero cases and zero deaths in our state. So we've had our second wave. We've had our second lockdown. But given how today's panning out in one part of the world, it's too risky to make any predictions of any kind. <laughs> yeah, let's not, get in, <laughs> let's not get into that, even though we have a representative of uh, said little patch of land. Uh, Nathan, yo, dude, a Midwest winter some sort of election thing going on. And WTRL racing so popular that that's close to new teams. All the signs are, and I hesitate to mention my famous victory of spring, but all the signs are that new peak Zwift may be looming large in coming months, if not weeks. In fact, last night I was on and there were 20,000 people on. Yeah, this is going to be interesting this early to have those kind of numbers. Also, there is a big pickup. I think... I don't know the exact stats, but I think there's a lot of new participants in the racing scene. And when you get new participants in the racing scene in a competitive thing and it's sport oriented and it's more at a club level, you tend to get, hey, come check this thing out. Wait, what are you doing? You get a little bit more of that um, in word of mouth. So that might bring in. And then also there was a huge market by, you know, or uh, ads by obviously over the summer. A lot more people have seen Zwift. Um, so I think, uh, you know, as it gets cold and people are at home and everybody's looking at digital options if you're even remotely into cycling the only i think kind of hump to get over is still that little bit of friction into getting on to with versus just like buy it out the box you know yeah, 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 yeah. And well, harking back to last episode, um, the big emphasis from Eric Min on new Zwifters. We heard that loud and clear. Well, I'm back in the UK after spending uh, most of the summer in, in, in Girona, Spain. I was looking forward to a, a nice pint of Yorkshire beer in my local pub, but that small pleasure is one of many that we are currently denied by the virus. Uh, of course, that's pathetically trivial compared to what a lot of people are going to be enduring this winter. So uh, let's try to be upbeat this episode and concentrate on the good things. And there are two undoubted big smash hits in Zwift world right now. The aforementioned WTRL Zwift Racing League and the Pacer Bot. So we have big features and chats on both of those. Before that, though, Shane, I mean, listening again to, to um, Eric Min's answers to my questions of last episode... 
if we were looking for a direction of travel in Zwift this winter, I just don't think there's any doubt whatsoever. It's going to be firmly focused on new Zwifters coping with what's likely to be a big increase in in noobs um, and all that that entails. And I've just got a kind of suspicion that that means big, new, shiny things. They just might be a little thin on the ground. I, mean, I think we'll get new li- little shiny things, but big new shiny things. I'm not. I'm not holding my breath. Look, we've been told all along that Zwift doesn't roll out big new shiny things during peak Zwift, and I think for the third time this mm. year we're heading towards peak Zwift, which is unforeseen. And I guess there were a few unforeseen things that occurred this year that makes that happen. Look, but sometimes things don't have to be big things to be popular. Look at Pace Partners, as you've mentioned. Uh, who would have thought something someone could have created with a basic ant simulator could be so popular? So. Yeah, I think you're right. We'll see a few smaller things, um, but what is popular might not have to be a big thing. Maybe just a few little dirt trails could come in handy too. Fingers crossed for that. Yep, yep. No, all excellent points. Nathan, are you hearing any different new big shiny things rumours or lots of little incremental improvements? If you were in charge... Which one would you opt for? Interesting. I'm like kind of right in the middle of like just really, I mean, what we're, I'm not sure. Big new shiny things, what we're used to is maps, you know, and like new roads and stuff like that. But uh, for yeah. me, a big new shiny thing would be just um, increasing the interactivity again, you know, like getting a lot more uh, fun out of the game. So, you know, one of the things that comes up in, in the racing scene, you know, we want to see these people uh, during the races on screen. But I think that's kind of, you know, we, we see people, we see, okay, there's a person, our trainer, they're suffering, there's a person, our trainer suffering. And we definitely want to know more about who people are and stuff, but that, you know, seeing a person just riding along on a trainer doesn't necessarily tell us much about who they are. It just shows us that they're suffering. But, and so I think like, in-game expressions, identifying with the avatar more, you know, having um, things that can be uh, earned in game. Like, yeah, little things like that, but those would be big to me. They'd be really, really big to me. Um, you know, there's lots of features that could be added. But that, that is absolutely the, the heart of the matter, isn't it? Things that might be little to everybody can be big to somebody. So, for instance, and we're going to talk about the pace of bots in a minute, but uh, with with where Salmon from Zwift, but but the pace of bots. I mean, I I love that feature. I've wanted that feature forever. But but I got on with Coco Cadence on the same course, doing the same thing with roughly the same group of people at the same wattage for like the third or fourth time, and. Uh, <sighs> I was kind of, I'm bored already, guys, you know. So if Coco Cadence was on a few different routes or or, or, or different worlds or you could vary the wattage a tiny little bit, that would make an enormous difference to my to my life, you know, and the way I use Zwift. So, yeah, the, the constituency now, the Zwift constituency, the Zwift, the Zwift kind of tribe has got so big that it's, become segmented and you know as you just said quite rightly nathan little things that are little for some people will be will be big for others and i guess that's part of the art now of them running the company is deciding what those things are and we're going to get into that actually with wes um a senior member of the game team i called him up to talk about coco and her pals the pacer bots uh, which Zwifters do seem to love. They really do. So let's hear from Wes. Well, welcome to the Zwiftcast to Wes Salmon from Zwift HQ, senior member of the game team. Hey, Wes. How's it going, Simon? 
Well, we just had that conversation, haven't we? So let's not let's not, let's not bore the <laughs> listeners with, uh, with 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 our personal lockdown experiences. It's kind of going, I think, is the best way to say. Um, anyway, listen, we're here to talk about uh, Pace Partners, Pacer Bots, whatever you want to call them, Coco, Jan, and their friends. I think it's safe to say, Wes, you've got a hit on your hands here. Yeah, they've been uh, very popular and we've been uh, very pleased with how the community has responded to Pace Partners uh, and just the support they've been giving us as we iterate through these features and make the Pace Partners system uh, more robust uh, and more reliable and more fun. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about a bit about that uh, in the minutes to come. Just summarize, I mean, because every time I've written with Coco, I get a little questionnaire at the end of it, and I've made a few comments, and I'm sure lots of Zwifters have. Is it possible was to kind of summarize the the overall feedback you're getting from the community? Is there a theme? Uh, there is a theme, and the theme is that they uh, the pace partners themselves have a certain level of consistency in how they ride that people aren't getting with group rides because it's impossible to get that type of consistency from a real rider, that, that the people who choose to ride with a pace partner really enjoy. Uh, they can trust that if Coco's riding at 2.1 watts per kilo, that is going to stay solid for their entire session, as opposed to fluctuate between 1.9 and 2.3. And as you and I know, over the grand scheme of things, those may not matter much in regards to the fluctuation, but for someone who's really trying to hit a target and stay in a zone, that consistency of a wheel to follow can make all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I've noticed, and there's lots of really interesting kind of psychology going on around around uh, around how Zwifters are interacting with pace partners. I want to get into a little bit of, of, of that as well. But one thing I've really noticed is that these, I've ridden with Coco mainly, and Coco groups, they're like, super well behaved yes and and the tone you know there's no moaning you know there's no whinging about flyers you know the, the whole kind of atmosphere of these rides is completely different compared to many group rides that you see on Zwift my take on it if you compare it for instance to the fence as a tool is that Zwifters much prefer the carrot than the stick and the carrot obviously <laughs> being the multiplier if you stay close to Coco. Yes, I definitely think that's part of it. Another part of it, I think, is that when people drop in with a pace partner, uh, they decided to ride Zwift that day in a certain way versus someone who signs up for an event, possibly days in advance. They have a very particular thing in their head around what that event is going to give them. And when it doesn't give them that due to flyers or the fence or other factors that make them feel like that ride that they signed up for and showed up for isn't behaving the way they want, it's easier to complain. But if you just drop in with a pace partner and that group around the pace partners doing weird stuff, you don't have to care about the group at all because you know Coco is gonna, not going to chase down a flyer. You know Coco isn't going to slow down because the group split. Coco just rides how Coco rides and you can trust it and you stay with that beacon. And that's the value of that whole idea of the group around you will form and move around and be dynamic, but you get to decide exactly how you're going to take that experience and make it your ride for that day. Whereas with a group ride, sometimes you got to go along to get along because if there's a split and you don't want to be spit out the back, yeah. you've got to up it to stay in the draft. Coco is yeah. never going to force you to make that decision because nobody's going to leave Coco because that's where the drops are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it's really, really interesting to observe that. It definitely, definitely works. Um, just going back to feedback, whereas obviously you've given me the positive feedback that you've got. What what are some of the slightly more negative things that the Zwifters are saying? 
Um, so some of the stuff people have been asking for um, clearly are more routes uh, and more yeah. pacers that are meeting particular needs. Um, and we're, we're definitely thinking about a lot of different ways we can take pace partners and give people some flexibility in how they ride with a pace partner. Because quite honestly, riding, uh, you know, the desert over and over again, just to ride with Coco, yeah. that's going to get old. So we want to yeah. find ways to, to move Coco around into other flat sections, but also possibly put Coco on some undulating terrain to give people some, you know, new sites to see if they're new to Zwift, uh, because we want them to realize that Watopia is huge and we want them to be able to explore. But we want them to explore in a way that they feel comfortable with. And people are starting to feel comfortable around the pacer bots. Mm -hmm. uh, another piece of feedback people have been uh, giving is that they want a little bit more interaction from the pacer bots. Uh, they want them to uh, be able to have a little bit more flexibility in how they ride sometimes. So for example, if you're going through the forest after you leave the desert and you hit some of those small little climbs, you don't go up the KOM, but you hit some of those small little climbs. For some people, holding that two point whatever Coco is doing uh, is a pretty strong effort. Um, and then on the downhill, they wanna be able to relax. Well. Coco and the pace partners don't relax on the downhill either. So that's problematic for some people who burnt some matches going up that small incline because they want to get that, that recovery time in and they can't because they've got to really push hard going downhill. Mm. It's made even worse if they're a smaller rider because they're not getting as much gravity assistance as other riders would be going downhill to stay with the pace partner group. Mm, mm, mm. No, I can see that. I mean, the thing I'd really like, and I'm, I'm sure you're taking notes on my every desire, uh, I, <laughs> I'd sort of like a Coco Plus and a Coco Minus, or a, a Bowie Plus and a Bowie, or is it Bowie Minus? So so a little bit of kind of under and over variation around that consistent pace. Is that something, again, that's been thought about? There is. There's a few different ways we're thinking about how we can uh, alleviate that pretty broad gap and that really strict adherence to a particular pace uh, when it's warranted. Uh, some of the things we've thrown around is the idea of like group voting. Like if the group feels like yeah. as a group, we're going a little bit too slow, like maybe there's a system we can put in place that lets them communicate with the pace partner saying, hey, let's bump it up 0.1 watts per kilo. And we all agree or the majority of us agree. Um, and then they do that for 10 minutes and then the pace partner kind of does a, a temperature check of the group and find out, did we drop people? Uh, did we gain people? Are people happy about this new pace? Are we going to hold it for another 30 minutes and then go back to the normal? Because the problem that we have with that kind of a system is that if you have people voting in real time, you have other people dropping in that were not part of the vote. Uh, and the UI they may have seen may have said one pace, but it might be off by you know, 0.1 or 0.2 watts per kilo, depending on how the group decided to manipulate the pace uh, partner's pace through voting systems. Yeah. But there's yeah. definitely something to be done there. Like the, the ability for people to interact with pace partners and have those pace partners respond uh, to the group's needs at any given time, including the slowing down, like slowing down on, on, a, on, a, on a climb or speeding up on a climb and coasting on a downhill or stopping at the top of a climb for a regroup. Those are all things we should consider so that a group starts to behave a little bit more organically around a pace partner. Yeah. Cool idea. So it's really cool ideas. I, how are they working, Wes? I mean, it seems to, to me, as somebody who knows absolutely zero about coding avatars and bots, but it seems to me it should be relatively simple to put Coco on a different course. Is, is that difficult and, and why would it be difficult? Uh, so right now, so let me give you a little history on how they yeah. evolved to what they are now. So you kind of get in some insight into kind of how we got here. Um, you may recall some rides I did in Club Jarvis uh, where Jarvis the Bear joined us 
for yeah. the sights and sounds rides where we had new UI. Um, and I had Jarvis the Bear be the automated ride leader. That is basically the foundations of what Pacer partners were built upon. A system that allows Zwift to manage objects in our game through the tools that we have internally, much like we use tools for testing uh, and tools that we've used in the past for like the blue ghosts that you probably remember from back in mm -hmm. the beta days and the early launch days, ways that we can have entities moving around the world. Uh, with Pace Partners, one of the things we wanted to do is make sure that they felt like real participants as opposed to the Blue Ghosts, which were really pretty much phantoms in the world. So we wanted the Pace Partners to be able to give you a ride on. And we want that to come from a real, you know, entity. So mm -hmm. they need to have their own identities. They need to have their own um, place in the platform. So that we took the tool sets that we use internally to uh, test different routes and, and test objects in the game. And we've expanded upon that to allow us to leverage some of that foundational work to create these entities that move around the world automatically. And then we've written uh, scripting tools to allow those entities to behave in a way that makes them chat sometimes and do uh, ride-on bombs uh, occasionally uh, and behave in a way that feels a little bit less robotic and more just like a Zwifter who you've chosen to ride with that you can trust isn't going to change the pace. All right. So I think what you're saying is it's not as simple as you think. Uh, no, it's not, um, especially for scale. And so for someone just that like having one thing go around Watopia flat that doesn't do anything else, super easy. Having right. something that goes around Watopia flat that shows up in the drop-in screen that has a particular watts per kilo target that behaves a certain way when things are around it. For instance, if you're close enough to it, you get into the zone of giving drops or leaving the zone of getting extra drops and things like that. That's the complicated bits for sure. Having things move around the world is easy. Have them behave in a way that's interesting and engaging. That's where all that secret sauce is. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, just, just quickly. I mean, I, I, I don't know whether you've got any stats to hand out. Uh, uh, you know, what, what, what sort of use is, is? Is there any way you can convey to listeners what kind of usage levels we're seeing of of the base partners? Uh, well, I can't give you numbers because uh, the marketing team would have my head. Uh, but we do. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually talked with uh, one of the other game designers yesterday who's uh, heading up a lot of the cool pace partners work um, and gave him a view of some of the numbers and asked if this were uh, above or below what he would have expected. And he was like, oh, that's much better than I was expecting. So from an internal perspective, they're outperforming our expectations. One interesting tidbit around the numbers is that we did look at how the ABCD pace partners and what their engagement levels are. Mm. And when I first pulled up the graph, I was expecting to see a pretty clear drop off from, you know, D to C, C to B and, and B to A. But instead, what we're finding is that D, C and B have very similar engagement rates as far as people that are interested in writing and staying with those pace partners for longer. Whereas A, which is a very fast pace partner, is less than half of the engagement, mainly because it's hard to stick with that pace partner. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, but yeah. that does show us that there might be an area for us to kind of have a B plus or an A minus pace partner to yeah. kind of fill that gap for people that can't stay with the, the pure A pace partner. Um, but this is all about how FutureWorks gives us this data so we can start to tweak and tune and balance this feature uh, in somewhat real time. Like, if we wanted to change the A-Pace partner right now 
to uh, something that was 0.3 watts per kilo less. Uh, that's a change we can make in the back end uh, and it'll propagate to the game immediately. There's no game release required for that because these are all running from our back end systems. Right. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, I would imagine the engagement with with Amelia is is slightly less uh, deep. Uh, since you've probably got lots of other things on your mind if you're trying to ride, <laughs> <laughs> trying to ride with her, not that light breathing, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, uh, really interesting stuff, Wes. Uh, I could talk forever about this, actually, because, you know, I, I, I think, I, I think they've really seized Twitter's imagination, I, I think, these things. And, and as ever, when something comes into the game and it's a hit, you know, people say, well, what's next? What's next? We want more. You know, we want more. We want faster. That's that's what Zwifters do. And I know you never, you know, want to commit to being able to say what might come next and when, and I'll leave the when bit out. But what would be the next logical step for Pace Partners that you're relatively confident you'd be able to introduce relatively soon? Uh, well, the easiest step is something you mentioned earlier, which is putting them on different worlds. Yeah. Um, the question comes in is, is that actually something people want? Like if you look at the uh, Watopia plus Guest World 1 and Guest World 2 usage patterns, Watopia is clearly the most popular place for people to ride, uh, mainly because it gives people the most flexibility in how they want to ride that day. Um, so do we invest in getting the pace partners to work well on routes that are outside of Watopia? Or do we focus on making the pace partners behave a little bit more dynamically in Watopia only? Watopia, yeah, yeah. Right, because we don't necessarily know which one's going to give us the, the best result for our users. We want to make sure that we're making these pace partners accessible to people that don't necessarily want to ride the routes that are in Watopia. But we may find that putting them in Yorkshire or putting them in Richmond isn't interesting at all for people uh, because they only really use those events for very specific routes. Uh, or, or those worlds for very specific routes or very specific events they've joined that happen to use that world. Hmm. Why not both, Wes, would be my question. Uh, the the cost in developing and testing and maintaining uh, all of that stuff. So Too right much. now, if you have four pace partners running in one world, uh, that's a much different lift from a serviceability standpoint uh, and right. testing standpoint than having them exist in five worlds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. I get that. I can see that. And you also don't want to oversaturate kind of where they are, so that they that you want them to feel like they're unique still and interesting and special. Like if we ran a pace partner at every 0.1 watt per kilo across the the spectrum and had 25 pace partners riding around Watopia, they'd be less special. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, uh, final thing, uh, I'll say I could go on talking forever about this, but final thing, and, and again, just this kind of psychological thing that I find interesting, and I don't know if you guys are monitoring this because it's the kind of qualitative stuff, I think, that comes out of actually being on rides with, for instance, Coco, who is my favorite pace partner. So I'll talk about Coco. But the the, the thing that I find really interesting is, is Zwifter's kind of investing Coco with a personality. So oh, that's fantastic. Yes. The meme <laughs> when she was gone. Interesting how that happens. It, it was one of those things that when, when we had to turn them off for a bit to fix some bugs and the meme started hitting the Facebook page, that the team was just blown away by how people are connecting in a real way with these pace partner personalities uh, because they actually are in Zwift and can be ridden with. It's, um, and we kind of expected there would be a little bit of affinity between the pace partners and the names they use and the way they behave. And then the community would start to kind of build these personas. We didn't expect it to happen this fast. 
get busy with some more stuff, Wes, because we would love to see Coco and Dan and, and the rest of them doing more stuff. Um, no, we're very busy with a lot of stuff, including Pace Partners work. Excellent. Glad to hear it. And thanks very much for, for providing that insight. Really, really useful and interesting stuff. Thanks a lot, Wes. My pleasure. Shane, um, I asked Wes how they worked and I got some, a uh, little bit of detail, but perhaps not, perhaps not the full story. And you referred in our intro, which made my ears prick up a little bit to, to them being run on an Ant, sim, an Ant Plus simulator. I mean, do you, A, do you know that for a fact? And B, if that is true, isn't that kind of a little bit surprising? Uh, I, I won't confirm or deny that I know how they work or they don't. However, I will say probably three or four years ago, I did exactly this with an ant simulator. Now, I won't talk about it because we're using bots in game and that's against the terms of service and et cetera. But I might have happened to set GP Sheepy, my other account, uh, to 350 watts and then just, you know, uh, the hilly course around uh, Watsopia, Watsopia Hilly, 9.1 kilometers. And holding that bot was absolutely, it was difficult. And it was, but it was a heap of fun. So I, I've done what the Pacer bots are doing. Now, it didn't have a, a little chevron above its head. It wasn't a different color. It was just yeah. another rider. It was sheepy, sheepy. But you can do this with ant simulators. Now, there's no secret about the ant simulator and how to actually use that and have it as a set pace. But they can also be scripted too. So you can actually script them to go up and down just a little bit. Um, yeah. So you can do it that way. I'd be surprised if Swift are doing it like that though. Uh, mm. Now that the robots are working 24-7, that would be a separate machine somewhere or a separate um, instance running somewhere with an ant simulator to make sure that doesn't uh, doesn't fall over or there's no interference and things like that. But uh, it's entirely possible to do, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, Wes had, you know, that they have to be scripted to do these little interactions like ride-on bombs and, and giving individuals Swifters ride-ons and all that, that kind of thing. Uh, and he also referred to it being secret source. So, you know, I guess they're probably not going to tell a wider world exactly how these how these, uh, how these these bots work. And, and that, I guess, is not surprising. But I'm seeing more than one observation from Zwifters that Coco can be capricious, uh, <laughs> Bowie can be a bit bizarre, and Dan gets a bit dubious at times. What, what, what people mean is that they get on to a pacer bot ride with an expectation that they're going to have to maintain a constant wattage to stay with the bot, but they're finding that occasionally that doesn't seem to happen. And I have to say, from my personal experience, I've not tested it extensively, but my graph, which I would expect to be kind of blue with a little tiny little bit of green, I have noticed does have a couple of peaks of red in it, which I wouldn't expect at constant wattage. However, you're the expert on this. I mean, we're talking about wattage and gradient and all that kind of stuff. I mean, what Zwifters are saying is that they are or some Zwifters are saying they need to vary their efforts more than they might have expected to do. So what's the physics here, Shane? What's what's going yeah. on? 
there's a lot going on here and it's just more than that number. Let's just pick a number, say 2.4 watts per kilo. Now, if you were doing that and I was doing that, now there's going to be differences between the bike selection and the wheel selection. And it's the same with the pacer bots there, I believe on the Tron bikes. Um, if I was on the mountain bike, I'm going to have to push harder. That thing you know, is a lot heavier to push along the road. There's also rider height that comes into play. And there's also the drafting effect. And with that is the standard washing machine effect that you get with a Zwift bunch. If you're riding out in the bunch on the road to maintain position, it's pretty easy. You just hold the wheel in front of you and you just tap out the watts you need to do. It's pretty consistent. In Zwift, you get thrown around. You get shot off the front. You get sort of sped out the back a little bit. And then you just have to maintain. You've oh, That's that ongoing washing machine that you have to go over and under with. And that's really occurring quite a lot with the pace partners. No more so than with the Halloween pace partners, which was just over and under and over and under. And then if you're on a smart trainer, the terrain comes into play too. So uphills, it's easier for people to push against that resistance that'll kick in with a smart trainer. So you're going to be doing more watts per kilo. And then downhill, that resistance disappears. So you have to then pick up the watts so even if it's, if it's the same wattage you still have to do something different to produce yeah. that wattage yeah. so up a hill it's a little slower cadence down a hill you got to change gears and then just push on top of the gear the flywheel is going to be a little bigger things do change there's also the case of the pace partners have no soul they don't care about you they're just doing their wattage <laughs> so you have to care about them but um i was thinking simon you were saying you're a little bit nah, a bit meh with cocoa cadence on the flats what if we get Coco to go up the Alp to Zwift or up Von 2 yeah. and then you select the Tron Bike Challenge, the Everest Challenge? You know, you can get to the Tron Bike pretty quick that way, you know, holding that consistent wattage. And up a hill, it's easier to stay with them. So I think we'll push that to Zwift. Get them up a hill, get Simon on the Tron. You're straying into dangerous territory there, my friend. <laughs> I thought we'd agreed not to talk about the Tron Bike. Uh, uh, but anyway, but that is a very good explanation. And, and you're quite right, of course. And, and the upshot of that, Nathan, is that actually this is not just a ride where you might as well be a bot. It means you've got to concentrate a bit. And particularly if you want to if you want to make the drops multiplier work, you've got to put a little bit of mental attention and a little bit of physical variation into riding with a constant wattage pacer bot. And I actually find that to be good, uh, whereas, you know, some Zwifters, actually I don't think they are complaining about it. They're just expre expressing surprise that they got to do more than they thought they might have had to do kind of thing, if you know what I mean. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I found the same thing. And I think it is also because a constant wattage in a group is going to um, act differently because when you put out 3.0 or 2 or whatever it is that the bot is continually putting out, it's going to um, use the snowball effect in a way that's going to burst it with momentum to the front at very different times. And if you're trying to stay near it, it will escape you pretty quickly because of its continual mm -hmm. water. Do you ever notice that you sit... And if you want to sit on someone's wheel, you have to soft pedal like a lot. Well, this bot isn't ever soft pedaling. So then it ends up momenting <laughs> a ton to the front because it does go backwards because the group will, you know, envelop it, but then everyone's trying to stay around it. So then it'll slowly, and then all of a sudden, sometimes it'll just shoot forward because everyone slowed down so much to get by it. So it's kind of this constant, like you said, washing machine slingshotting happening with it where you kind of have to stay near it, find out a way to steer it. If, and if that you know, uh, bot is at something that's closer to your FTP or a little bit under, well, those slingshots are going to go over your FTP. So that would make a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as Swifters ride more with bots, they'll get more experienced as to, you know, what's required to, to make the drops multiplier work. Uh, a little bird within HQ did tell me that the results of that survey, I'm sure you guys have got it. I get it uh, after every time I've ridden with the bot, are glowing 
uh, extremely good. I think you're asked to rate it out of five. I, I heard a figure of around about 4.6, 4.7 as an average, which is amazing. Yeah. The bunches are always big. Whenever you pass them and you don't realize that we've passed the bunch, like, what is that race? What is that event? Oh, there's the pacer bot. They are really, really big. And I found the faster ones that are the smaller bunches. Um, I held, was it Diesel Dan, I think it was? No, uh, Bowie. Was it Bowie, the stronger one? Um, through Titans. Um, and there was two or three of us. That was a really, really good push session. I had to do 300 watts for about half an hour or so to keep up with it, to keep with that multiplier. Oh, there's a carrot there, the multiplier for the drops. Um it was a really, really good workout. Surprisingly, uh, it's difficult because of the ups and downs, uh, but the smaller groups can be a little fun. So I guess a, a tip for be, would be for people, if they don't like the bigger groups, the slower tempo rides, choose a pace about that might be a little bit out of your comfort zone and you might just be able to hang on. Yeah, and I mean, the other good thing is, is say you're going to do an hour, like an hour on Zwift, you can do an hour at B pace and an hour at C pace, or you can warm up on D and then move to C, and it's kind of trivially easy to do that, except... You've got to log out of the game. <laughs> oh, there's some tricks. There's some there's some tricks. I, I, I was going to do a video on this, Simon. Um, if your people are asking about how do I join yeah. a pace partner, but I want to warm up first, it's a really good uh, really good question. The way to do that is you join with a pace partner. You press U-turn, and then you'll be on the opposite course that they're riding. So as long as you're joining with the pace partner, you do the opposite course. Now, it could be a 20-kilometer course, but if it's only a circuit like the jungle or if it's uh, the desert flats, then you're only going to be riding eight kilometers for your warm-up. And as soon as you see him coming the other way, hook that U-turn and bang, you're on. You've done a pace warm-up or you've done a, you know, a pre-pacer bot warm-up at your own pace and then bang, you're with yeah, the bunch. The so there's a swift, swift tip right there. Um, be careful of doing that. On um, If you're going to be dropping in without joining the pace partners, you can still select the same route that they're on. But if there's a lead-in, um, such as the jungle or the desert, you need to ride that lead-in first. And then even then on the desert, you can just uh, ride against the – it's an out and back on the desert. You'll always come across Coco out there. So there are ways to do a warm-up before jumping into those pace partner bot uh, rides. Yeah, good trick, that. Very good trick. Nathan, that whole kind of psychology thing that I was talking with Wes about, I mean, it is really fascinating, this. Uh, to me now on group rides, the fence is, what if I'm honest, it's a combination of useless and annoying, actually. Where, where, <laughs> whereas the multiplier game, uh, you know, rather than being a stick, is a positive carrot. And it really, really, really works. You know, the, the the whole tone of a group ride on with a pacer bot is completely different from from what we might now call ordinary group rides. And and it's all about the psychology of the way that what is basically enforcement of keeping a group together is functioning. Really interesting, I think. Yeah, and it, so the punishment versus reward, right? And so What's interesting to me is you brought up group rides and there's a lot of people, you know, <laughs> wanting to punish people for doing this or that on a group ride. What if we just swap the reward <laughs> over to a group ride and you stayed near the ride leader and next thing you know, you're getting something out of it. It could be uh, a total, you know, change around to what's happening in the group rides as well. So the place about, you know, opened up the reality of psychology, as you're saying there to how do we maybe fix that uh, group ride situation where, well, if you don't want the rewards, goodbye, but this is going to get you this if you hang out near the near the ride leader or at least follow instructions. Again, it's that gaming aspect though too, where we've talked about situations where 
um, if you were on a certain downhill course and you're able to make the jump, you know, by doing 500 Watts to make the jump. But if you don't, you're going to end up crashing and have to redo the section or something like that. It'd be an amazing interval session as well with the rewards and everybody would stay together. So very cool game modes that we could have that the pacer bot has exposed, I think in some cool ways. Mm-hmm. Yep, well, they are a big hit for sure. And it was really interesting to hear Wes talking about areas in which you know they they may de- be developed. I mean, the obvious ones are get, getting them moved onto different routes, routes. Uh, but that little um, hint he gave away about maybe a, uh, an in-group real-time vote as to whether we should stop the pace up. I mean, those kind of ideas being talked about sound super interesting to me so i really just really... no mail-in votes just no mail-in votes they've got to be real time on the day in-person votes <laughs> excellent topical reference uh, shane uh yeah yeah uh, um yeah no mail-in votes for sure um so i'm sure the the pacerbot team are, are, are busy working but uh, but uh, harking back to this kind of developing theme that that you can change a little bit of swift and make it a lot more interesting for a lot more people I do feel that that pace bots will be a very fertile ground for that. Anyway, let's move on. Let's do a bit of tech talk. Uh, the Neo 2T got the nod as the official trainer for the upcoming Zwift UCI eWorlds. Uh, you called this one, Shane, some time ago. Not too much of a surprise, really, but you think Wahoo might be smarting a little? No, not at all. Three words on this one. Existing commercial relationship. Now, tax have been uh, with the UCI for a long time. Path of least resistance. They're in Europe. 200 boxes, away you go. They'll be able to ship those out. And look, I don't think Wahoo or any other trainer company really minds because none of them can keep up with demand. COVID times, these things are hot properties. So, uh, yeah, I don't think Wahoo will miss having uh, 200 trainers go missing um, that aren't off the shelf being sold at retail price. Um, So, (laughs) no, no. Not at all. Not at all. It is, is a bit of an endorsement, though, of the Neo and the Neo technology, which has really, it really has been ahead of its time. The Neo One still is a good unit. That was around since what 2015, I think it was. It's been yeah. around a little bit. Uh, that obviously the 2T really addresses some of the issues there and, and makes it, uh, the T on the Neo 2T stands for torque. It uh, is able to apply, apply a lot more torque at a lower flywheel speed. So these riders who are maybe riding up a hill and doing a massive attack at their 1500, 1600, 1800 watts that the Pro Peloton can do, um, all these pro riders will be doing with the UCI worlds. Uh, it'll be able to handle that. Uh, it should be interesting to see. But um, yeah, everyone's on the same trainer, level playing fields. Um, I was interested to see though that the UCI did announce an automotive partner for an esports that's running entirely remotely where you don't have to drive anywhere. Yeah, so that was weird. creative yeah. marketing. Yeah. I, I Look, I'm, I'm going to put the feelers out there now. I'm looking for some hair care products. I mean, why not? <laughs> why not? If they can get an automotive partner for an eSport event, I think I can start reviewing shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen I've seen more bizarre things in the world of sponsorship. That much is for sure. Um, Nathan, sticking with 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 tech um the oracle that is raymaker made a really interesting point in his uh, kind of he does this sort of annual address to both houses thing um uh, this is when Ray, it's, it's an annual keynote and he tells the whole sports tech industry what he thinks is happening and why. I mean, it's very well watched by anybody who's got any interest in, in sports tech and particularly industry people. He normally delivers it, obviously, in person, but 
2020, so it was delivered online. Um, and I picked a couple of things out of it which I thought were particularly pertinent to the kind of things that we waste everybody's time talking about. Um, and, and, and the future, as he sees it, of e-racing was one of them. Um, e-indoor racing. Uh, quite controversial, I thought, and perhaps not music falling gently on Zwift's ears. Um, this is what Ray said. I worry about a couple things. I know there's UCI Worlds coming up later on this year on, on Zwift, um, so an in, you know, indoor cycling platform, but I'm worried that the bottom's all gonna fall out of this. And I think this is probably the biggest area of bubbliciousness, if you will, uh, in everything that I've talked about, in that the entire indoor cycling scene right now is predicated on people not riding out doors. Uh, once people ride outdoors, there's zero reason to do legit racing indoors aside from fun, like kind of specialty creative events. But in terms of main major events, the pro cycling calendar just doesn't work like that. It's got things that fill the entire year, save for the time that's set aside for those athletes to recover for a couple months. So they're not going to be able to squeeze in another indoor race somewhere else. Or maybe if they will, it'll be like a one-off, but be very, very small compared to what it's been the last couple months. And so I'm concerned that eventually that bubble is going to pop, and I'm not really sure what's going to happen as a result of that. So in a few words, and I'm not sure that Ray fully understands this world, actually, to be fair to him, but in a few words, he he thinks the pro e-racing bubble may be about to burst. The main reason he seems to be citing is, is a, a crowded calendar. A uh, bit of a bombshell, Nathan. Is he, is, he, is he treading the right path here, do you think? Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I think that there's some reality that, you know, the um, hype or the, um, this is amazing, you know, this idea of like, it, it might be wearing off a little bit on, for the pro Peloton, right, situation that is racing in real life again, um, you know, this pro rider's here, this pro rider's here and all that. that, that was like a thing for a couple of years, you know what I mean, that was a part of a, a big marketing, you know, uh, ploy as well. And so I do think that he's correct in that stance that we may see um, a little less uh, hype there. There's also the reality that the pros, um, when they interact and that we actually, this is really an a interesting tension point. We have not seen world tour level pros racing against the top pros in the community almost purposefully all the way through it to this point. Like it, ha it just hasn't happened. And it seems, yeah. and and so um, I, I get the feeling that they watch the Conti riders who have come into the space and they go, whoa, um, these Zwift pros are real deal. And er almost every single time um, the community who's done their homework on making sure that everything is set up correctly and has to in order to race in the top, uh, in the top tiers right now on um, the premier league and Zwift racing league, also to Autopia, all the ones that ha happened before this they've they've verified everything and they call foul if the in real life pros come in and don't verify so i think there's a whole other section of this that ray might actually be really interested in if he kind of because it's his area kind of like tech and verifications and all that kind of stuff too so um i think there's other reasons besides the pros are racing i think that there's other motivations too um but i, I also think that uh, it's a separate genre in and of itself. And I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, whether or not the pro end of it is where it's at is a whole other topic, which I think we'll talk about later, but I don't, I don't think that that necessarily is where the bubble will pop. Now, whether or not um, the top end of e-racing is where the focus is and whether or not there's a bubble of, of excitement that might pop a little bit there. I mean, I, that, that's a, that's a fit. I don't know about a 50, 50, but that one's great for me where, um, you know, I think we're still, 
premature in some ways. So, mm, mm. I, I kind of felt Shane Red just got hold of a little bit of the wrong end of the stick with this, really. Or oh, there might have been a kind of difficulty with definition of terms. I mean, I think he probably has a point where if we ever get a return to some kind of normality, world tour pros are less likely to be racing on Zwift. But, you know, that doesn't mean the end of pro racing on Zwift. No, for sure. It's, uh, I guess, similar to the, the Tour de France is taking place, but the downhill mountain bike World Cup may be having an event too. It's different disciplines. So the pros, uh, for sure, you can't cram in this kind of esport racing, which is so super intense for the pros in a season that's already packed. But there's going to be a different pool of people to choose from and different pool of pros who are going to come along. It's a whole other discipline. Um, now, we do see time trials like Rowan Dennis come in and absolutely wipe the field, no doubt about it, because it's a, you know these big time trial ability. But there's going to be these people come along from these smaller teams or these um, the Zwift-based teams who do really well. They'll become the pros in this eSport. So it's bubbling along. It's bubbling along. I, I think it just, uh, I guess, the definition of what it really is um, and the promotion of that. I guess the question is around the promotion. Um, will we see you know, it being advertised? We see Garrett Thomas on the television. We see um, all the pros being used to promote the eSport side of things. At what point do we see the, the you know the community pros or the eSport-born pros yeah, start yeah. Um, promoting these or using advertisements? That's going to be the turning point, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to discuss that a little more actually yeah towards the end of the mm. end because i've got something fairly trenchant to say in this area um uh, where i think ray was on slightly firmer ground was his second point uh, he picked something else up during his kind of helicopter survey of the indoor cycling scene and that was very much related to graphics this is exactly what he said more than that the graphics just need to get better. And I think one of the things that we've seen, uh, you may have seen, I have a screenshot here of Grand Theft Auto with you know, Shane Miller, GP Lama kind of demonstrating this just for fun. But what's funny about this is this video here that I screenshotted uh, was a live stream. So it wasn't even like a proper production video, though with high production values, but still it was a live stream. And you can see the graphics are look incredible, but it has 110,000 views on a live stream, which is absolutely bonkers. And of course those weren't all live at the same time, but over time, and it shows tremendous interest and having better graphics in this realm. And I think, you know, these platforms, uh, not just Swift, but everyone uh, that's doing graphical stuff needs to be looking towards cloud computing, cloud gaming type uh, platforms on how to host things. Because the future isn't, you know, running these things at, on high-end machines, like the machine that uh, Lama was using there is, you know, 2000 plus dollar machine. That's not the future. The future is running it on whatever hardware or tablet you have handy, but getting that level of graphics from the cloud. That's not something I'm not seeing companies focusing on enough. So I think those are areas that definitely need some focus, not just by Zwift. I know I'm picking on Zwift in this particular case, but by really everyone uh, in order to kind of move things forward. Well, that was a very simple point that Ray makes there is that the graphics are not terribly good as far as he can see in comparison to it like AAA games. And they need to improve if, if the indoor cycling industry is to move forward. Uh, we have seen one outfit try and so far conspicuously completely fail or at least not make it very available to very many people in a very easy way uh, to port game style graphics onto a cycling simulator game. I speak of Veloton or Vaporware Veloton as most people know it. Um, Nathan, has Ray got a point here? I mean, I suspect the clamour comes largely from very experienced indoor cyclists rather than those who are new or new-ish to virtual platforms. People like us who 
may be growing just a little weary of, 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 of a graphic execution that has not progressed much in a few years now. Yeah, for now. I'd agree 100% with you for now. You know, it's the same way that like until somebody knows Zwift exists, they're like, oh, what's this? And it's really interesting, you know? So mm. you you can't know you don't, you're missing something if you don't know it exists, right? But we're getting older and the gamers are getting older too. <laughs> so like um, there's a reality that as we start selling, you know, well, not we, but as Zwift starts trying to market over the years here and as the gaming generation gets older and they look at this and they go, uh, Fall Guys looks better than you know what I mean. Like it's kind of like the the game the game made for you know made for kids, but everybody's playing now is like looks more graphically pleasing and has more game modes. So like, what's going on here? You know, so like, sure up front, I've seen gamers get like super excited about whoa, you can sim, and then they get into it and they're like, well, you're just kind of riding around on a row. Like, where's the game part? <laughs> like you know, so yeah. and then it doesn't. And you're right. I mean, yeah, they they just 100%. I 100% agree. Um, and in you know, this whatever it seems really cliche, but in 2020, like, um, <laughs> yeah, just I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> you were going to say quitting the game to do something else, weren't you? Um, uh, Shane, what, what Ray's kind of secondary point was that cloud-based gaming does away completely with the need for a high-spec computer to get a really good experience. Presumably he's talking about massively improved graphics as well. Uh, so, you know, um, no potatoes or, or in fact, you could have potatoes, actually potatoes for everybody and still get a really great experience. I mean, that is a really good point, actually. And certainly the indoor cycling industry has shown no sign whatsoever that it's interest, interesting in getting aboard the cloud-based gaming uh, as a as a platform for its for, for its products, or at least if if they have, they're certainly not making you know a a, a one decibel of noise about it. We, we we hear nothing of it. I I thought that was a good point to raise. Yeah, look, the core demographic for indoor cycling they don't have high powered three D gaming systems, and mm -hmm. to have an immersive, entertaining three D game platform, you require that computing power, and that's always been a limiter in regards to what's being delivered. Now, I guess Zwift have to sit back and say, well, are we a game or are we a training platform? So there needs to be some sort of um, self-realization there of what they what they are and what they'll move towards. So let's just say they are. They're going to uh, improve the computing uh, side of things, the, the gaming side of things, and the immersiveness. Now, what's the best way to deliver that to people who don't have the hardware? Well, to deliver hardware in the home, that's going to be expensive. So the answer there is via the cloud and services such yeah. as Google Stadia to do all the heavy lifting, so to speak, in the cloud and deliver that 3D quality experience like to people without any of the hardware. So... You've got to have the bandwidth, though. That's going to be a limiter, too. So it gets back to, I guess, the architecture of the game. I don't believe Zwift is currently set up for this. But one thing that does come to mind is RGT. Um, they have a separation of the screen. So you have RGT screen, which is just a 3D rendering game side of things. And then you've got to download the mobile app, which is the RGT mobile controlling app, which pairs all your sensors. You run all the menus, and you do everything via the mobile. That is ripe for the picking to throw up in the cloud for the 3D gaming experience and for the local connectivity right. to be held done uh, well, held down and be done by the phone. Zwift could move towards that, absolutely, with the companion app. It converts all your Bluetooth over to IP already, as it is. Um, so it mightn't be too hard to do, but that's the cheapest way to do it. Um, yeah, delivering that high-powered 3D hardware, that's going to add to the cost. If you're thinking of making a smart bike, hmm, I wonder who's thinking of making a smart bike. But if you had to deliver that at, with a screen and a system to run everything, like the Peloton experience comes with everything out of the box, that's going to be expensive. Couple that with a cloud system and a potato. Potatoes are cheap. 
So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's an excellent point, actually. Yeah, no, really, really, really excellent points. And, the, you know, the much vaunted friction that we hear so much about, and again, harking back to Eric's, you know, central point for Zwift this this season to make it easier for new Zwifters. I mean, this, I mean, I know, clearly this is not going to happen this season, but you can see a way of 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 making Zwift a whole lot simpler by by utilising uh, other cloud and cloud-based gaming. Not holding my breath for it quite yet, though. Okay, uh, let's move on to the other big noise so far of the indoor season that's really only properly now getting going, and that's WTRL racing. Massive numbers, crashing websites, entries now closed to no new teams. So successful has it been? And, of course, endless arguments in the forums about racing out of category and cheating and all of those other things and waiting for results. Where, 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 where is there a familiar theme to that, eh? Waiting for results. Mm. A little topical reference there. Uh, I caught up with uh, Martin Carew, one half of the duo that runs WTRL and has partnered with Swift for the Tuesday Night Racing Series as well as running its, its own Thursday series. Here's Martin. And apologies in advance for the sound quality on Martin's end of the interview. It wasn't fantastic, to be honest, but you can hear what he says. Well, welcome to the Zwiftcast, to Martin Carew, one of the two, I think two, there probably should be 200 of you, but two head honchos of WTRL. Hey, Martin. Hey, Simon, how's it going? Uh, probably a bit less pushed than you, I would imagine. Um, for the second time this Zwiftcast, because I was talking previously to HQ about Pace Partners, but for the second time this Zwiftcast, my first uh, opening conversational gambit to uh, my honoured guest is, you've got a hit on your hands. Just a little bit, yes. I think we're now entertaining about 10,000 Zwifters a week at the moment at WTRL with our events. So. <laughs> wow, that's big. And that, I mean, that's it's not come from nowhere because it, actually you laid the foundations with this. It, it's, it's a community series that's gradually grown, but obviously getting the stamp of approval from Zwift and then the kind of marketing email that went out for the second week this did see a huge influx of, of races, did it Did it not? Yeah, very much so. I mean, uh, well, exactly. Our, our team time trials that we do every Thursday are numbered. We know we started doing this live 79 weeks ago, and uh, we started with a, a small seven-team uh, event, just one event, gradually grew, and we were getting really excited when we had 100 teams earlier this year, and then obviously COVID hit and it went nuts victims of our own success we've seen thousands and thousands of people coming through the website and uh, hasn't really been helped by a marketing email um, which went out uh swift customers i think that hit and i think most of them then tried to get on our website and it triggered a, a few spread switches so we lost our website for 12 hours it's always a bit of a double-edged sword when the website crashes isn't it because obviously it's a gigantic pain in the rear end for those who've got to get it back up but it's also a kind of symbol of like runaway success yes very much so and our life lives on that website so we very much rely on that website to get links to people so they can join events to understand the rules because it's a very very unique format a team time trial 
And um, yeah, it, it, when it went down, uh, obviously we support Zwift Community Live. We support Zwift Live with Zwift Racing League as well with their on-screen data for the for the team time trial. So yeah, when it falls down, everything fell down. <laughs> yeah, um, I think Martin, as this is, not, I mean, to say it wasn't mainstream before it sounds a little bit disrespectful, but but I mean, it really has gone mainstream now, and I think it's it's quite important that people understand the basis on which you're doing this. I mean, you used to do this as a voluntary community service to Swifters, but but with this new series, you've now got a proper professional relationship with Swifter, not to put too fine a point on it. You're getting paid for the work that you do. I think it is important that people understand that, though, now, don't you? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, we will get paid for it. We haven't been paid as yet. <laughs> to be honest, I've been far too busy trying to make sure everybody's in the right pens, the right tags, the right events, the right links, that the result systems are working as they should do. And uh, we'll, we'll get around to the, the financial side of it eventually. But <laughs> yeah. So is this your, your full-time job now? As of two weeks ago, yes. <laughs> and I imagine full-time really is full-time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, this has been a long been a long time. My business analytics days used to run into twenty twenty two hours at times, but this has been twenty twenty two hours seven days a week for the last um, probably closing on two months. Yeah. I would say now. Yeah, I, can, I can imagine. I have I have pleaded with Zwift to leave me alone on Friday <laughs> so I can have a day to remind myself who my dogs and my fiance are. <laughs> The thing is, Martin, you do now realise one thing, don't you? It's 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 only going to get bigger. Oh, yes, and we're very much ready for this. Um, we've had a few teething problems, obviously, the last few days. Um, we're we're uh, very much a scalable organisation. We've, we've had floods of people from the community offering to help. Um, but obviously, I have uh, some close relationships with, with database people with uh, programmers and things like that that can can help make this scalable and uh, obviously we we have i think it's close to 1250 teams in the zwift racing league we're seeing the team time trial on thursdays picking up as well again i think we'll see more than 700 teams this week in particular but uh, yes we we know it's going to grow and we're being asked to do quite a lot of other things can't say too much about them with zwift mm. as well so. well that's all it's all extremely positive i'm saying very positive for zwift racing now i don't want to get too deep into controversial waters but you can't talk about racing unless you talk about people who race outside of their category and i think one of the incredibly refreshing and welcoming and welcome things that wtrl have done is actually take some action on that and you have actually excluded people who either accidentally or possibly more likely deliberately have been racing out of category uh, was that a decision you took at the at the very beginning and that you decided you were you were going to make a stand on this kind of thing because it really annoys racers i mean really annoys racers not, to, well, not, not, not been, people getting excluded yeah. it annoys racers that there are people racing out of category um yeah it was very much a conscious decision both steve and i race or have raced on swift numerous times and it was very frustrating you, i mean i'm a 
I'm a big guy. I'm an ex rugby player. I'm sitting in the C category. I'm, I'm, you know, six for eight. So I have a huge air, aero issue anyway. But to, to then, to then see guys who would hang in there and then all of a sudden they'd be clunking out four watts a kilo and winning the race and leaving everyone in the dust or breaking up the pelotons. It was very frustrating. So from the outset with Swift Racing League, particularly with the scratch races, um, there was a need to make sure that categories initially are enforced. Um, we have done that in the first scratch race. A number of people weren't very happy about it, but a lot of people have understood. They've been off the game for three months, riding around in real life on real roads, and have come back and found their category lower and have perhaps joined that category, hoping no one would notice, and then found themselves riding a category or two up and they were disqualified straight away. We've got some quite lenient boundaries on it to start with, to let everybody kind of get used to it. And, and don't get me wrong, I think it was just over 5,000 races. And uh, of that 5,000, uh, 100 or so of them were definitely gaming the system is probably the best word to use. My impression from watching the community reaction is that you have had with with probably a tiny exception from a very small number of aggrieved people who perhaps don't understand the process properly. You've had nothing but amazing support from the community for taking this stand. And some would say, you know, looking towards HQ, not before time. Oh, no. Um, we, we've for, for a number of months, really, we've had a lot of positive comments. We've had people saying, you've been the saviour in our recovery to cancer or you're the saviour to lockdown. Um, and and yeah, the, the, the support, the positivity. And if I, if I, I don't, I think we've got a lot of lovers and not many haters is probably the best way to put it. Yeah, I know. I think that, that's certainly the impression I've got. And I think you'll probably pick up more lovers just by taking, you know, like I say, this reasonably firm stand on these annoying people who race out of category. So uh, uh, from the SwiftCast, congratulations on doing that, because I know it's not an easy thing to do. There are going to be edge cases and arguable cases, and there are going to be aggrieved people, and uh, that's time-consuming to deal with. And uh, I'm sure you've, 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 you've already experienced that. Uh, may you have much more continued success, and I'm sure we'll get you back on before the end of the series to... Um, to see just how big it has got. My my bet is pretty big. Uh, well done, Martin. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks, Simon. Thank you. Well, guys, as I think we predicted, I mean, this is big, like really big. And despite the hiccups and the out-of-cat racing controversies and all the usual heat and passion that surrounds racing on Swift, despite all of that... Uh, this has cemented a view I've been considering for a while now. Uh, this is a kind of trenchant thing I referred to earlier. I'm ready to unleash that view on a waiting world. I sure they can't wait to hear it. I now firmly believe that the future of racing on Zwift is community, not pro. And I really think that that's where the company should direct 95% of its efforts. Uh, fine, jump on and saddle up the marketing horses where the opportunity suddenly arises and unexpectedly arises, like the virtual Tour de France. Uh, or, but, but basically, nobody wants to live in a world where those malign stars align such that the Tour needs to be raced virtually. But, you know, I, I could see why they did that. But don't divert so much resource to that that other things suffer. And tr truth be told... 
I, I think it did this this summer. I think there was a lot of development stuff that got held up because of the enormous effort that went into into the virtual Tour de France, and and that was fine. That was a kind of judgment that was that was made at the time, but that you know that was a tactical move. But on a strategic position, I, I actually think that the, uh, the, the 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 big development effort really, and and probably a lot of the marketing effort now ought to be aimed strongly towards community racing. Um, example of where I don't think this is running particularly smoothly at the moment. As Wift acknowledged ages ago, that out of cat racing causes angst and pain and misery and detracts from the competitive experience. It then says it's going to do something about it to widespread applause from the pretty much the whole community. We get a green cone of shame, then crickets. A spurt, then a brick wall, tumbleweed blowing across the virtual roads. And, and that to me just kind of, you know, exemplifies or, or, or illustrates that not as much work as I think, who am I, you know, who cares what I think, but what this is what I think, not as much work is going into the development of community racing as perhaps is going into the marketing push behind pro racing but when the pros have gone away when the pros are racing up real roads in the alps and the pyrenees the community races are still going to be around uh am i being fair shane you are right on the money there simon as i've already mentioned in the zwift cast already before even reading these notes yeah we're, we're on the same page absolutely <laughs> yeah the future of zwift racing is the communities uh it will it will bear its own pros. They will come out of the woodwork. You'll find these absolute, well, Zwift Academy. Look at these people. They're coming out and being real pros afterwards. There's some real good talent out there. And there's going to be people out there who racing outdoors is just not their thing. It just doesn't fit into their lifestyle. So there's going to be these community pros, um, which will be the eSport pros, which I hope to see that's what things moved into. Um, and then, as I said before, used in the advertisement, used in the whole scene of things. Um, in regards to the racing category, I've got nothing to respond on that. I gloss over the endless posts on that and until something changes there's just no progress being made there but it's uh, i think this i won't call it low-hanging fruit there but there's some easy pleasers to be done <laughs> or easy pleasing to yeah. be done um if they can sort some of that out pretty quickly but at the end of the day they can't fail on this implement something if it fails is it going to be worse than what's currently there is, I mean, people are saying races are blowing up yeah. and it's a waste yeah. of time anyway. Implement yeah. something and then refine it. Fail and fail fast. Isn't that a, a statement from a certain country that's up in the air at the moment? Come on. Come on. More yeah. entrepreneurship. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just a bit more pace about the thing. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've come to this view now. You know, I was a big supporter of uh, – and, I remember, you know, part of me remains a big supporter of, of the benefits that, that, that getting – you know, World Tour pros involved in in racing on Zwift and promoting Zwift. Yeah, I totally see the marketing benefits of that. But, you know, in a year's time, they, these guys are not going to be there unless it's under sufferance, you know, assuming the world gets somehow, you know, something close back to normal. A year from now, these guys are going to be racing up mountains in, in the Alps and the Pyrenees. They're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be racing up the Alps of Zwift. Uh, unless their sponsor says, I really, really want you to do this. Um, <laughs> Nathan, I know you've actually been saying this since the year dot, actually, and you are actually a living living example of this, but all the innovation in this space is around, or, or perhaps should be around, community racing, rather than pros who, you know, actually probably don't really want to be doing it. Yeah, and, and 
see this uh, the, the dichotomy I think is is false though because I think that the community is where we'll find our pros and that even the pros that are coming to the platform I've been saying for a while they need to start in the community like even early mm-hmm. on in the um, so when when COVID hit and there was this big jump and all these teams were like all right what are we going to really do and it was like well we need to make these events make these events and i just like just go jump there's all these races we're broadcasting like just go jump in there get involved in the community show that you like it see that you like it see what you and because it was you would have gotten involved in what was already happening in the kitchen like we're cooking something up here you know what i mean like come and sit at the table and enjoy if you like it you're gonna eat and you're gonna stick around and become a part of that family otherwise it's just a thing for you to do right now. And like you said, they're back off doing what they really like to do, you know? And so, mm-hmm. and then there's also the reality of taking, you know, your licks and in, in amongst that crowd too. Like you got to kind of earn your spot. And that was another thing that's come up recently. Um, that's somewhat related to this about how you have sport and how you build a sport and how you build racing, because there's now these UCI regulations for worlds that are coming and there's individuals who are the fastest drifters in the world. They're looking to represent their country. And I'm looking at those people that I've commentated on, said their names over and over. So-and-so out of the UK and their, their, um, governing body has shown no interest in getting them access to this world's event. And I'm like, that, that's not a world's event because you're looking to get the fastest person in the world on this platform that is e-racing and they're not able to participate because it hasn't been focused on growing the sport out of the community, right? It's all of a sudden some, some I don't say random person, but to the Zwift community, it's a random, to the Zwift racing scene, I'll say that. They might know who they are in cycling, but not to the racing scene. They don't, they're just a random. Yeah. So yeah. this hasn't happened where we have focused on growing a sport from the grassroots. And that's where WTRL now is really doing that on top of solving some of the problems because they are just like, all right, let's go move forward. They see a problem and they're super responsive to fixing it very, very quickly and making it more interesting or whatever it might be. And they're getting, getting away from your racing level is based on some FTP test. When I started racing, I didn't take an FTP test and then jump into a mountain bike race. I jumped into a mountain bike race and I saw where I, I where I ended up and then I just upgraded or went or whatever. Oh, I'm not that fast or I'm way faster. And then it gets figured out on its own based on how good you are at the art of racing, not some test on some number somewhere that you did. It's not preconceived results. It's results after the fact. And we see that happening as well. And now with the divisions, and it's so cool to see actually that I know I'm on a big run, but this is one thing that comes up over and over again right now in each one of the races at the top division one right now. And then in division two and division three, in each one of the categories, we are seeing the closest racing we have ever seen in the TTT because it's so evenly matched because it's based off of the results that we have seen already. And that's just in season one. Yeah, there's discrepancies. We got to figure them out, but it's getting much closer than we had seen before. Yeah, well, I mean, congratulations, WTRL. They're getting a, a lot right. You know, they've had the they've had the balls to disqualify people. I'm not saying Zwift lack balls. I understand why Zwift <laughs> have, have taken or failed to take those decisions in the past. But but WTRL have come in and said, no, we think you're in the wrong category, and you know, unless you change, you're not racing anymore. And and congratulations to them on that. And congratulations to them on on the participation levels they've achieved, uh, and the the passion and the uh, the, just the general enthusiasm around it. There's a real buzz about it. So um, very well done to them. Uh, very well done to Zwift for, for partnering with them. And, and long may it last.
last. And, you know, I think that's where the, the real future of, of Swift Racing lies, is is, is from and, and within the community. Uh, yeah, let's go and do these little marketing things, but let's not make everything else suffer as a result of, of doing that. Anyway, there we go. We don't run the company. Good job, probably. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even though we think we do sometimes. Uh, uh, okay, let's throw in a few other little uh, tidbits here. Um, in the real world, I felt, at least here, uh, Halloween was a kind of a little bit low-key. I mean, it's always a bit more low-key in the UK than it, than it is in America, I think. Uh, it may have been, you know, even it may have been popular IRL in, a, in, a, in America, but it was kind of damp squib here. Um, and damp squib, I think, Shane, pretty much sums up your... <laughs> <laughs> your reaction to um, to Swiss Halloween stunts. You were underwhelmed, my friend. Yeah, I still don't understand the link between Halloween and spacesuits or the dinosaur <laughs> costume that was uh, recycled from last year. And not to mention the Swifty they pulled on everyone, changing the changing the yeah, the pace partner rules with those crazy bots to 15-minute multipliers, not five. I jumped on to do a live stream. I thought, I'm going to get all uh, all three suits in one ride. An hour 15 later, I had one suit. I could – it was just <laughs> – and then I tried to join the other space suit ride and it was at 1.5 going through Titans and I could – oh, it just wasn't happening. It was frustrating. As most people have said, though, online, it wasn't a fun experience. I don't know how they took something that everyone loves, which is the Pace Partner Bots, and made it worse. But they did, so happy <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just don't get involved in those games at all. I mean, they just literally do nothing for me. I mean, I, you know, I know they do for lots of people, but I just, I just don't care about stuff like that. Um, uh, and here was another uh, slightly odd one, uh, Shane. I'll bring you in on this, Nathan, but um, um, to you as well, Shane, first perhaps. Um, so we've put a bike in game, they make it fast and light, and then a few days later they take it out and make it slower and heavier. I mean... WTF. Um, <laughs> it, it was a Canyon bike, a long-time Zwift collaborator. I mean, it was just so weird. What was going I, on, do you think? I don't know. I just want detailed change logs. I make videos on cha – I love change logs. I can talk about change logs all day because it makes the experience better. <laughs> like gun change logs or Zwift change logs. It's like, what's new for me? What can we all, all – good access to? What's what's changed? These are undocumented. Um, but but putting my tinfoil hat on for a moment, it was a great chance for people to say, oh, can you not paying them enough? Or they paid a little bit and then didn't pay them enough. So Specialized came in as an investor now. Uh, oh I, love I love those conspiracy theories. I, I love that theory. Oh, yeah. I love that theory. So basically, we're holding. Uh, hey, Canyon, we're holding your bike to ransom. Unless you give us more money, we're going to make it slower and heavier. Yep. That is a fantastic theory. <laughs> uh, completely untrue, I'm sure, but hilarious. No, uh, hilarious to consider. Uh, Nathan, any idea what was going on here? I think that they released it and didn't, and then Eric did. Insider Eric Schlange did there is usual how fast is it and it was just too fast I think they didn't know how fast it was or how it would compare necessarily <laughs> and it was like this is way too I think the reality of how cheap it was to get in at a yeah, certain level and they're like that's that's right. too unfair and so I think the reality of being able to jump in so quickly at such a low level too was just way too you know, too much of a, a quick buff you could just get this amazing bike that we would put you right up there against you know 
Well, I mean, look next. at like who you got amongst then. You're like right amongst like Shiv with 858s. You know what I mean? It was like, you're not mm-hmm. that fast, mm-hmm. but you're getting pretty fast for hardly any work. And I think it would have felt really unfair to those who had already done the work. And I think they realized that and did a rollback really quick. So, um, so what was this? Human error? Someone, someone fat fingers on the calculator with calculating CDA or something? I'm assuming that's probably what it was. Like that there was just, or maybe like somebody who was managing the project was like, Oh, this seems really cool. We're going to do it about like this. And then somebody like saw that who wanted more fairness in the game that might have been more senior and was like, no, we, that I read insider and that's not okay. You know, maybe a couple of people raised, <laughs> you know, some people might've raised some like behind the scenes, like issues with it, maybe in the community or maybe just somebody inside was like, well, yeah, that's got to change. I think it was kind of one of those situations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I much prefer Shane's theory of can you have been held to run? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's buffs and nerfs. That's the thing. It's a classic buffs and nerfs that like uh, make it like this happens all the time in gaming. Like something just gets super buffed and it's like, whoa, that's way too much. We need to back that off. And then yeah, people yeah. Who, who who like the buff get mad and they're like, wait, wow. You know, it's, it's, it happens all the time. But it, it definitely, I think, was a little bit too much too. I'd ag- I agree with it. It's just, it is a little weird that it was so like not noticed but eric does a great job that's what that is eric Mm -hmm. does an amazing Mm -hmm. job with his 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 speed tests so i just want to see that email that says dear canyon unless you pay ten thousand dollars by close of business we will make your bike three pounds heavier (laughs) okay that's it that's it for this one uh shane i was very disappointed to to read i've never been but but i know how much it means to australia i was terribly disappointed to read of the cancellation of the tour down under yeah so no tour down under which is our week of cycling it's not just a bike race it is our Mm. trade show for the year we have all the international trade teams come along obviously for the pros and then all the companies come along um wahoo have a big presence there as well it's just not going to happen but also cadell's road race is also gone and our national championships which are here in my hometown of ballarat uh, has been pushed out another month so that's still taking place i guess it'll take place a little differently but i guess like most of 2020 i'll just stay home mm. yeah <laughs> at least yeah. we have zwift i mean I think, yeah yeah well yeah that's from tomorrow we've got to stay home um i've been getting some practice in already and already i'm fed up with it um but you know uh i can't moan i have it a lot less bad than a lot more people so there you go um Nathan, you're not locked down yet, are you? In, in well, who knows what's going to happen in America over the next two or three days? But uh, that depends but on the election. Locked. That depends yeah. on the election. I mean, straight up, is one, there an election one, on? one, yeah. one candidate says open up, the other one says masks on everybody, mandated, and laws about it by penalty almost. It seems like so. It's a very different philosophy on both sides. So uh, no, uh, so. It's my state's been really interesting. Like there's been attentive lockdowns, but then the courts and the legislature fight the governor and it goes guys back and forth. So it's like, you don't know if you're supposed to be locked down. So locally it also is kind of similar to the federal situation too. So um, mm. yeah, we, we haven't had a lockdown since uh, uh, spring. So, and, um, but yeah. we're, you know, my, I actually had to do virtual school again with my, uh, one of my, my sons, Micah, my eight year old, because there was a COVID case in the classroom. So then they send everybody home in that classroom. So that was interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, but that's the latest yeah. uh, effect on me. I mean, I'm at I, I work from home, so it, I I'm locked down all the time. I'm locked down. ZRL, ZRL, and WTRL is a lot. My <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I can see that. I can see that. I think the American courts may be slightly busier with um, with whether or not it's illegal to go and get a haircut or drink a pint pint of beer actually over over coming days but uh, by the time we record our next uh, episode we may know who is leader of the free world or maybe we won't this one may run and run um uh that's that that's that really pleasure great pleasure talking to you two again and i look forward to talking to you in the future thank you very much for today and goodbye thanks guys cheers, cheers. Thanks, guys. And there it was, episode 91. I hope you enjoyed listening. Usual word of thanks to Zwift for continuing to support the Zwiftcast. For that, we are truly grateful. Uh, but also, of course, it carries the qualifier that we decide what goes into the Zwiftcast, not Zwift. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. Zwift.